Greetings to all of God's people. This is Mordecai Joseph. We are now in lesson 62. And last time we were in chapter 11. And I believe we got to verse uh, 6. Or actually verse 5. Where we read when God is going to bring back his son Israel. In spite of all of his rebellion. And he's showing his love toward Ephraim. You know the head of the, uh, of the nation of Israel. That is the northern kingdom. Because Hosea is in specific address to the house of uh, Israel in the north, not to the house of Israel in the south. And then later on he's going to bring both of them into the picture. And uh, actually even before that he spoke about the house of Israel and the house of Judah coming back to their God. And appointing themselves one head. Well anyway, in verse 5 we continue the story. He shall not return to the land of Egypt, speaking about his people, uh, not only Ephraim but the whole house of Israel. But the Assyrians shall be his king because they refuse to repent. So, okay, you know, he said, you know, you don't want to obey my God, my, my law, my commandments, you know, walk in my path and way. You don't want to be my people. You don't want to be my wife. You don't want me to be your husband. All right, I'm going to let the king of Assyria and uh, take over, you know, and, sh- and, and uh, show you, you know, which way is best. And quickly, Ephraim learned, under the Assyrian, it's not good. And there was nothing Ephraim could do about it. House of Israel couldn't do about it. I'm sure in their days. There were some people there reading. Well, not that they were reading. They had no newspapers. But, you know, they were listening and, uh, to rumors and all that. The Assyrians were coming uh, all the time, you know, taking over and all that. And people talked about conspiracies. We're going to take arms. We're going to defend ourselves. We're going to do this and that. Just like they do today. And yet they don't recognize when God rises to smite his own people, nobody can deliver them from anybody. So... Don't waste your time resisting the enemy at that point. Because God raised the enemy to come and spank you for your own good. Repentance is what we should do. Not take arms and resist the government or talk about conspiracies. Repentance will deliver us. You know? Repentance should deliver from multitude of sins. And love and repair. And supplication to God. And so God said he's going to bring their destruction on them. And yet, yet, God hates doing it. And uh, verse 7, he says, My people are bent on backsliding from me. It's you know, second nature to them. They hate my law. To this very day, even to the people of God, you go and talk, tell them about the law of God, the great things of the law of God, of the Torah of God. Today, I want to hear about this. Give me a New Testament. Even if the people of God who call themselves the people of God who claim to have the Holy Spirit think that way because of the generations of, of brainwashing to hate it, how much more the other tribes of Israel will do it? Verse 8. And how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I make you like Zvoim? And if that's not what it is, it's of the two cities that were around uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, that were destroyed with it. He said, My heart churns within me. My sympathy is stirred. I will not execute the fierceness of my anger, as angry as I am with you. You know, God is saying, And I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man. And yet people say, Well, God is not God, because he's a man. He rejected his people Israel. He put them down, chose us. We're the faith, you know, of God. We're the Israel of God. We're the people of God. We're the bride of Jesus Christ. And that's ignorance speaking and not truth. God says, I'm God. I'm not a man. I don't act like that. I'm the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come with terror. Verse 10. And they shall walk 
after the eternal, he will roll like a, a lion when he rolls. Then his sons, his sons, the children of Israel, shall come trembling from the west. And they shall come trembling like the bird from Egypt, like a dove from the land of Assyria. I can't be arguing with God anymore and saying, I hate your law, I hate your Torah, I've done away with, I'm spiritual, I live by grace, I live by love and all that. You know, they didn't vomit and they call, call themselves righteous. And he says, and I will let them dwell in their houses, says the eternal. So God says, I'm going to bring you back. All of your problems. Ephraim, verse 12, has encircled me with lies. And the house of Israel with deceit. Speaking about the days of Hosea. But Judah still walks with God. Even with the Holy One who is faithful. So even with all the wickedness that was in Judah, there were still many among them that still walked with God. And so God is comparing one with the other. You know, they still stayed, you know, in, in, with the temple, and they came to, to him on the Sabbath and holidays and all that, with all their problems, and uh, all the difficulties they had in the time past to this very day, you know, they still come on the Sabbath before him instead of Sundays, as the children of Israel are, and they still, you know, and only, it's only recently that many of them departed even from that, they still, you know, to, to recent times, he would eat only clean food, and honored God by that, and be, were sanctified by those holy laws, even though they added, you know, their own things with God, which God calls an abomination, you know, their own inventions, their own do's and don'ts, which is not of God, and other foolish ideas and lies and deceptions about heaven and hell and other things. You know, they're still, uh, they don't reject the law of God, they don't have that resentment toward the law of God, I'm speaking about the religious community because in, in our generation, the last two or three generations, but especially now, the majority even of the Jews uh, have contempt for the law of God. So I'm not even talking about all of them because gradually the, you know, even the number diminishes, but now you see a reversal of it gradually in Israel, a new movement of returning back to the law, and it's growing by leaps and bounds there too. And so God contrasts the house of Israel from the house of Judah. Judah still walks with God. Even the Holy One who is faithful when they come before him every Sabbath and they've been doing it for the last 2,500 years, they come to the synagogue, they read the book of the law, they don't say it's done away with, they read the prophets and they sin an awful lot and they are mixed up about other things. And so they, in that sense, you know, they're still doing better. And verse 12, Ephraim feeds on the wind and pursues the east wind. He daily increases lies and desolation. And also, they make a covenant with the Assyrians, and all of this carried to Egypt. You know, business as usual, with all the nations around them, alliances and everything else. And yet, even, even Judah has problems. The Lord also brings a charge against Judah, and will punish Jacob, that's the entirety of the nation, according to his ways. According to his deeds, he will recompense him. You know, speaking about the whole nation, he took his brother by the heel in the womb, speaking about Jacob, the father of the nation, and in his strength, he struggled with God. That's what Israel means, to struggle with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. God makes it very plain. That God was also called the angel. As it says at night, he struggled with a man. At that point, he called him with a man. But the one that became Jesus Christ was known as the angel of the Lord. And Moses knew it, and Abraham knew it, and Hagar knew it, and the prophets knew it, and the men of God knew it, and the judges knew it, and the Jews knew it. Until the rabbinic age where they lost it. 
and no longer, at least the majority of them, because some of the rabbis still understood it. There are two beings, one of them is sent by the other, and both of them are called Jehovah. But they're coming back also to God, and their eyes are going to be open. They aren't going to be blind anymore, as they've been, especially in the last 2,000 years. And so he says, yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed, and that angel also was God. He struggled with God. And he wept. And that's why when, when Jacob, after he, he did that, he called the place Peniel, because he said, I've seen God face to face. I struggled with God. And God told him at that time, the man that wrestled with him all night, he had struggled with man and God, and he had prevailed. And literally, he was struggling with God. The God that was sent from the one that was called later on the Father. And this God, we know, was called many times the angel of the Lord, but also the Lord himself. That is Jehovah, not the Lord, you know, the eternal. Or the Lord of hosts, or the Lord of Israel, or, you know, or the Savior of Israel, or Jesus Christ, which is the same words. Anointed Savior. And so it says, He wept and sought favor from him. He found him in Bethel, the house of God. You know, that is what Jacob called that place, because he wrestled with God. And there he spoke to us. That is the eternal God of hosts. The eternal is his memorable name. You know, as he said, this is my name. <coughs> Excuse me. And so the eternal is the name of God. That is Jehovah. Is his memorable name. And the Jews for the last 2,000 years are not willing to carry that name on their lips because of abuse, you know. Sometimes because of abuse we go from one extreme to the other. And so you, by the help of your God, return. That's his return. With your help, the help of your God, I'm going to help you. Return. Observe mercy and justice and wait on your God continually. A cunning Canaanite, deceitful scales are in his hand. He loves to oppress, speaking about his people Israel. They're behaving like the Canaanites. And if I am said, truly, I have become rich, I have found wealth for myself. Who needs God? You know, in all my labors, they shall find in, in me no iniquity that is sin. So he's pretending to be what he is not. As God later on will say in the book of Revelation, chapter 15, verse 17, when he came and spoke to uh, John, and this God is Jesus Christ, you know, speaking about the Father, and he said, you know, well, people will call themselves spiritual Jews, that is Jews, and they're not Jews. Yeah, people will claim they have no sin. That's what God says about his people, Israel, the northern kingdom, or all those who claim we're not sinners. And so God is speaking to Ephraim, you know, who thinks that he's doing great, doesn't need God. And he's reminding him, but he's dealing with him in spite of all of his iniquities. Verse 9, he says, But I am the eternal of your God. I am your God, not somebody else. Ever since the land of Egypt, I will again make you dwell in tents, as in the days of the appointed feast. In other words, when people came to, to God to observe the feast, you know, they couldn't bring their home with them, so they had to have temporary tents. And then on the Feast of, of uh, Tabernacles, they built a booth. So in other words, God says, I'm going to bring you back to me, and you're going to appear before me, and uh, we're going to go through all those good times that we had in the past. Verse 10, I have also spoken by prophets, by the prophets, and have multiplied visions, and I have given symbols to the witness of the prophets. In other words, whatever I have done, you are not listening. And then let's continue with uh, chapter 3. I'm in chapter 13. When Ephraim, verse 1, when Ephraim spoke, trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offered through Baal worship, he died. As long as he was obedient to God, things were great. But when he went to idolatry, well, he paid the penalty for it. 
Now they sin more and more and have made for themselves molded images, idols of silver, according to their skills. Speaking about the time of Hosea, obviously, and after that they were taken to captivity, and many of them continued in idolatry, and then since they had also the religion of God, so they had a mixture of both, of the two of them, and to this very day they have a mixture of the two of them, and they think they're great people, they're doing well, they're the people of God, they've got their God on their side. And God says, you know, you're eating vomit, you're part of Babylon, come out of it. Totally come out of it. I don't want a mixture of truth and error. And so verse 4, he says to him, yes, I am the eternal of your God ever since the land of Egypt. To this very day, we're talking about 4,000 year history or 3,500 years history, specific for the, the nation. And you shall know no God but me, because I'm going to deliver you. For there is no Savior, there is no Jesus besides me. That's what he's saying to him. There is no Savior. Moshiach in Hebrew, or Yeshua, or Hosea. You see? It's all the same. There is no Jesus but me. There is no other name by whom you must be saved, let on read in, in the, the writings of the disciples. Well, there is no Savior besides me. I knew you in the wilderness, in the land of great drought, when they had pasture. They were filled. They were filled with their heart. was exalted. Therefore, they forgot me. That's what happens with Yeshurun. Yeshurun became fat and he started kicking. And I said, who needs God? God is dead. You know, we don't need God anymore. We've got technology. We've got riches. Well, God is going to teach them a lesson. He's going to take everything from them, from the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And they're going to go into captivity, into the depths of depravity. And there they're going to find out who God is and going to call upon him and he's going to bring them back. So that's a part of the process. God still never forgets his people. And uh, he's going to punish his people. Verse 7 says, So I will be to them like a lion, like a leopard by the road I will lurk, and I will meet him like a bird, deprived of her calves, and I will tear open the cage, and there I will devour them like a lion. This is God speaking. He's going to do it to us. The wild beast shall tear them. People think, well, it's conspiracies. This and that and the other thing. No, God is saying, I'm the one behind it. So forget about all those conspiracies. And look what's behind it. Verse 9 of Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. I will be your king. In other words, whether you like it or not. I'm going to rule over you. Because you're my wife and I'm your husband. And all of Israel are going to return to him. And that's why the great captivity that is coming upon Israel, the whole, most horrible tribulation and holocaust that is coming upon the whole house of Israel. Verse 10, I will be your king. Where is any other? That he may save you in all of your cities. And your judges to whom you say, give me a king and princess. I give you a king in my anger, you know, King Saul, and took him away in my wrath. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is told up. So God constantly re told and retold the story of his people, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But he never, ever, ever, ever forsook his people. People got to read the whole story to really get it. Not the lies that people tell them. And it's important to see it from God's point of view. Let's go to chapter 14 now. And verses 1 to 9, this is what we read. O Israel, return to the eternal of your God, because I never gave up on you. For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the eternal. Say to him, take away all iniquity, receive us graciously. 
After the grace of God, after we repent, then you give us grace, not the other way around. For we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. In other words, we're going to repent. And the sacrifice will be repentance that comes from the heart, not just a bull or a lamb. And Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our own hands. You are our gods as they do today. They worship the works of their own hands. For in you the fatherless finds mercy that is in God, not in man. And I will heal, God replies, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from him. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily, and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread, his beauty shall be like an olive tree, and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. The sand shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? It's all foolishness. And all these religions, all this vomit that I walk into, it's all garbage. It's all vomit. It's going to sit God's way. And he says, I have heard and observed him. God speaks, and I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me, God says. Verse 9, Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways, the religion of God, not Christianity or Judaism, the ways of the eternal are right. And the ways which are not of the eternal, but of men, are not right. Even the right that is in them is not right, because it is mixed with error. And the righteous walk in them, the transgressors stumble in them. And God makes it very plain. There is no reason for us to be deceived. Let's go now to Joel, prophet Joel chapter 2, and verse 1, where God says, Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Where is the holy mountain of God? Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the eternal is coming. For it is at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of cloud and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. And people come, great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. You know, that's the great trouble of Jacob that is coming upon him. A fire devours before them. And behind them a flame burns, the land is like the garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. There's going to be a lot of destruction in the nations of Israel. I better prepare for that, and know that only repentance will deliver us. Not resisting government and talking about conspiracies and taking weapons and all this stuff. Nothing is going to deliver us from the hand of God when he rises to smite us. Only repentance. And their appearance is like the appearance of horses and like swift so they ran with a noise like chariots and so he discovered the, the enemy that God is going to bring upon his people and none of us can escape it and then verse 12 God shows us how we can do it now well actually verse 11 the Lord gives voice before his army for his camp is very great so that's the army that God is going to bring against us so that becomes his army just like he called Nebuchadnezzar my servant because he, he, he raised Nebuchadnezzar to do his will. And he told his people, Judah, you either submit yourself to Nebuchadnezzar or else. Nobody resists the government, the powers that be. And Nebuchadnezzar came and brought an awful lot of damage on the people of God, on Jerusalem, 
territories around it, and the rebel rousers among them, they rebelled against the king. And so, the king destroyed them. They didn't know it was from God, even though Jeremiah told them. And so it is today. God says, this is my army. So why are we wasting our time talking about conspiracies? Verse 12, Now therefore, says the Eternal, and that's the way we should be. Turn to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Eternal, your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave us a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering, something to eat so we don't die. For the Eternal, your God, Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate the fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, that is, sanctify the body of witnesses of God. Assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing babes, let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room, let the priests who minister to the eternal, and some of them are ministering, and ministering to the eternal with a uh, uh, mixture of truth and error. Let them weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people eternal, and do not give your heritage to reproach, that the nation should rule over them. Why should they be among the people? Why should they say among the people, Where is their God? Verse 18, Then the eternal will be jealous for his land, and pity his people. The eternal will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil. And you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations, but I will remove from far from you the northern army, those who come from the north. It's going to happen again. They're going to come, come from the north. And I will drive them away into the barren and desolate land with his face toward the eastern sea. And so you read it in the book of Zechariah chapter 14. People will come from the north and come to Jerusalem. And at that point, the Messiah, the Redeemer of Israel, the God of Israel, the Husband of Israel, Jesus Christ will return and destroy that army. And the remnant of them is going to send throughout all the earth. And he's going to tell them, you got a commission now. From evil doers and destroyers, you're going to bring back, back the rest of my people and you're going to proclaim my righteousness. And when God rises to smite the earth and to do his work, he does his work in mysterious ways and wonderful ways. And nobody's going to send nay to him at that time. And so he's going to drive him. And he's back to the western sea. Verse 20. And his tent will come up and his foul order will rise because he has done monstrous things or great things in Hebrew. In other words, horrible things against the people of God. And not only there in the land of Israel, but in all the lands of Israel, wherever they are. It's going to be worldwide massacre and holocaust. Destruction upon the people of God because of the rebellion. But God is going to deliver them when they turn to Him. And God says, verse 21, Fear not land, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the eternal has done marvelous things, great things, that is. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field. For the open pastures are springing up, and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength, be glad then. You children of Zion, who are the children of Zion? You know, the who and the what of the church of God? The people of God. That's, these are the children of Zion. Let's not spiritualize these things as the ignorant and the unlearned do. 
and rejoice in the Lord your God, the eternal your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. That is the month of Nisan, the first month of the year, the sacred calendar. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow with wine, new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I have sent among you. And speaking not only about creatures, speaking about the people too. The army that is going to bring against his own people. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the eternal, your God, the name of Jehovah. Now, all going to praise the name of Jehovah, they're not going to be following, you know, either the ruling of the rabbis, don't even mention that name, and they're not going to use, you know, names that they've been taught by others. And so they're going to praise his name, the name of Jehovah, who has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am the eternal in the midst of Israel, the church, the wife of God. I am Jehovah, your God, and the eternal, your God. And there is no other. You see, there is no other. In other words, you look to your own gods and there are no gods. I'm the only true God that deals with you. I'm your husband. I'm your God. I'm your creator. I'm your redeemer. And yes, yeah, there is a father up there in heaven. He's coming down also. But as far as all the gods on the earth, they are not gods. I'm the only God that you have. I'm the only husband. And there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame as they are today. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, speaking by the children of Israel. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And Peter told that it was in his days, so he proclaimed those words in his first sermon in the temple on the day of Pentecost. And your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions, and also on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. And so that's what Peter told him. This promise is for you and to your descendants, house of Israel. This is the people he was talking to. We're not talking about the whole earth. And then God gradually later on began to call a few others too. But only a few others, individuals, that's all. We're not about to save all mankind and have this great church made of all nations of the earth. We never meant for it to be. It'll never be either. This church is only his people, his wife, and all the others will be children of that marriage. They're not going to be part of a church. They have to understand what a church means, a body of witnesses. And it's only his people that are going to be the body of witnesses and the royal priesthood to all nations of the earth. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. And obviously that didn't happen 2,000 years ago. And when they did it, they realized, well, I guess we were wrong after all, about the timing at least. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the eternal, the Hovah. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the eternal shall be saved. And so when you go through the writings of the disciples, Paul or the others, if you don't have the background, you don't know what they're talking about. The people all around the earth say, oh, I'm calling on the name of Jesus Christ and I'm a Christian. That's it, I'm saved. That's not what he's talking about. He says, whoever calls on the name of the Eternal, the God of Israel, shall be saved. And that's a message specifically given to Israel. And then the few that God is calling among the nations. And that's what Paul is trying to explain to to the Gentiles in Rome. 
In Romans chapter 10, you read it in verse 13. We're just mentioning the scripture. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance. Not talking about the whole earth yet. That's coming later. And the eternal has, as the eternal has said, among the remnant whom the eternal calls. And God is going to call all these people Israel. Because they have a commission to be the wife that will bear children. All the nations of the earth. You have to see everything from the point of view of God, not the point of view of the mixed up people. Blind people, blind shepherds of Israel. And so in verse 3, he gives you more specifics. That is so in chapter 3, in verse 1. For behold, in those days and at that time, we're just reading about it, the people that God is going to call, is going to save and going to deliver and bring them back to his land, for behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. So now we're reading about what is going to happen in the future. Only in our days, that already happened, in part. God already brought back a part of Judah, part of the captives from the concentrations of Europe and other places. And he brought them back to Judah. You know, he brought back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem. And as he brought them back from the state of Israel was being established, and of course the Jews don't fully comprehend that, because they don't know the whole story either. They don't read it from beginning until the end. There is, you know, blindness in part on their eyes. In other words, they still see, but there is blindness in part. You know, you don't see clearly. Their dark glasses are even darker than those who have the Spirit of God. And so he says, at that time when I bring them back, it's not that they brought themselves back, I brought them back. And people say, well, you know, those Jews, they went to, to Israel and they built their own land, they call it Israel, they have no business calling it Israel because we are Israel and so forth. And even some among the Jews, Orthodox Jews, they rebelled against the concept of people going back to Israel. And they said, we don't accept that. We don't acknowledge that. And to this very day, there is a group even there, right there in Jerusalem, in an area called Measharim, and the people called Meturekata, that means in Aramaic, the keeper of the city, or the keepers of the city. And they don't accept Israel, they, you know, they, they burn the flag of Israel, or step all over it, and, you know, they'd rather talk to the PLO than to, to their own people. The other ones will throw rocks on the Sabbath there, uh, because they're confused. They think, well, only when the Messiah comes, the people come back. And before that, you're not allowed to do it. Well, God says, I'm going to bring them back. And after I bring them back and they're established as a nation, as you read in many other scriptures, then I'm going to gather also all the nations. Why will the nations gather around Israel or Judah or Jerusalem if there are no Jews there? You see? So God had to bring them back first because they had a commission. Prepare the way for his coming. And I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat and I will enter into judgment with them there. And that's what you read in Zechariah chapter 14. On account of my people, my heritage, Israel. And here in specific speaking about the people of Judah. But also for the rest of the nations of Judah. Whom they have scattered among the nations. They have also divided up my land. You heard about the partition plan? That to their shame the children of Ephraim were partakers in that. And also the children of Israel in this country, in the United States... And all the nations of Israel and Europe were part of that partition of the land, you know, part to the Arabs and a part of Judah, which God is angry with. 
So he says, I'm going to judge them. On account of my people, my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have also divided my land. It's my land. What right do they have to do it? And to this day, they're still trying to do it. You know, tell the Jews, give, 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 give up, give up, give up, give up, more land. That's only we're going to have peace. Land for peace. And many Jews have swallowed that lie and deception and political, you know, confusion. And they too are believing in that. They're willing to give and give. Just give us peace. Instead of repenting before God and having the whole land, not only to themselves, but to all the house of Israel, you know, because of their iniquities, they're suffering too. And yet God says, they have parted my land. They also divided my land. It's my land. Then they have cast lots for my people. They've given a boy as a payment for a harlot. In other words, they're going to abuse them sexually when the great war comes and sold the girl for wine and the, that they may drink. Indeed, what have you to do with me? What are you fighting against me, O Tyre and Sidon? And who are there? You know, on all the coast of Philistia. Speaking to the Palestinians. Speaking about all the Hezbollah, you know, they call them Hezbollah, the party of God in Lebanon, who constantly shoot at Israel and butcher and kill. And they too get, you know, punished now and then by the Israeli forces. And said, will you retaliate against me? They don't realize against whom they are, you know, that they're saying, Allah Akbar. In other words, God is great and they're fighting against him. He says, will you retaliate against me? You know, every time, you know, the Israelis shoot at them, they shoot back. They don't realize. He says, but if you retaliate against me swiftly and speedily, I will return your retaliation upon your head because you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried your temples into your temples, you know, your mosques, in today's terminology, my prized possessions. So there's going to be a captivity of Judah coming of the children of Israel, of the modern Israeli, and... Uh, they're going to take their possessions from them. They have, so we'll say, well, this is mine. It belongs to me. And verse 6, And also the people of Judah and the people of Jerusalem you have sold to the Greeks, that you may remove them far from their borders. Verse 7, Behold, I will raise them out of the place from which you sold them, and will return your retaliation upon your own head, and I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the people of Judah. And they will sell you to the Sabaeans, you know, people in back east to the people far off. For the Eternal has spoken. Jesus Christ is speaking here. The Lord, the God of Israel, the Redeemer, the Savior, the Deliverer. Verse 9, Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come. Dip your plowshares into swords, you know, just a reverse, and your pruning hooks into spears. Nations are arming themselves to the teeth nowadays. Let the weak say I'm strong. Assemble and come, all you nations, and gather together all around. Cause your mighty ones to go down there, O Eternal. Let the nations be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat means Jehoshaphat. Jehovah is God. It's not Jeho. His name is not J. His name is Jehoshaphat. God the judge. For there I will seek to judge all the surrounding nations. So you see, the name of the place means God will judge, and that's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to bring them to the valley of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, and I'm going to judge, I'm going, in Hebrew, Lishpot, to judge Lishpot. You know, if you read in Hebrew, you, you get it, you know, right there. And if you don't, you know, you need to, just like Paul said, you know, when you speak in tongues, you got to translate, because otherwise, uh, those who don't understand will think you're babbling. And I see a lot of people out there, unfortunately, that uh, 
learn a few Hebrew words and go around and speak Hebrew words among the people of God and uh, nobody knows what they are saying about and then they show that they are righteous by doing it. And uh, God says, look, if you say something in a foreign language, uh, especially in praising God, at least translate or shut your mouth. You know, that's the plain language that Paul said, you know, keep your mouth shut. Hold your peace. And so he says, for I will judge all the surrounding nations and put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come, come go down for the wine place is full. The vats overflow for the wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Uh, for the day of the eternal is near in the valley of decision. And the sun and the moon will go dark and the stars will diminish their brightness. I'm speaking right before the feet of the Messiah, descend of the Lord, descend of the eternal, of the God of Israel, of Jehovah, descend of the Mount of Olives, Zechariah chapter 12 and then chapter 14. And the eternal will also roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and the earth will shake, but the eternal will be a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. That's his wife, his people. He never forsaken them, even though he allows them to go into captivity the worst one they ever had because of their iniquity. So let's not be liars and speak lies in the name of God and call ourselves servants of God and teach people lies and deceptions. Verse 17, So you shall know that I am the eternal your God dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. That's the kingdom. But he told us to pray about our Heavenly Father, your kingdom come, your will be done, here on earth, as it is done in heaven. That's what it means. And the people out there have been told lies and believe lies. And others are confused with a good knowledge and understanding otherwise. Then Jerusalem shall be holy, and no aliens shall ever pass through her again. And they're not going to have that issue of Jerusalem and divided between Israel and Palestine. This whole thing is going to be gone, no more. And no nation on the face of the earth will ever dare discuss the, the future of Jerusalem or the land of Israel, which belongs to God. Then Jerusalem shall be holy, and no alien shall ever pass through her again. No Arabs, no Canaanites, no Philistines, nor anybody else, because that land is Sodom and Egypt. God calls it today. That all the nations of the earth are presented there in all their abominable religions. That's why it's called Sodom in Egypt. Not because the Jews live there and they're all evil and, 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 and iniquity. It's, you know, the hater, haters of Judah uh, like to use that. Even some among us you know, are saying those things to their own shame. And it will come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drip with new wine and the hills shall flow with milk and all the brooks of Judah, Judah, shall be flooded with water, a fountain which shall flow from the house of the Eternal, as we read earlier in Ezekiel, and you read it in Zechariah, and you read it in Revelation. See, it's one story. You can read the whole story as one package. Don't divide it. Chop it to pieces. And mix it up. And, you know, mix poison with it, and, and lies and deceptions. And water from the valley of Acacias. Verse 19. Egypt shall be a desolation, a warning to that nation, because it's going to rebel initially against God until he subdues them by shattering them to pieces. And Edom, a desolate wilderness. All the nations of Edom 
Iraq, the Shigdoms, wherever they went, all around the earth, and they are opposing Jacob and hate Jacob, and they're going to exit great vengeance because they're all basically members of the great whore. And the false religion, spiritually and physically. You see Israel fighting them all over the place, you know, you find the allies in the Persian Gulf, fighting Edom. They don't even know who Edom is, and Edom doesn't know who they are. And Egypt shall be a desolation, and Edom a desolate wilderness, because of the violence against the people of Judah. For they have shed innocent blood in their land. Some people look at that conflict there and say, well, you know, they're all guilty, the Jews, you know, they go to war against the Arabs, and Arabs against the Jews, they're all guilty, they're all bad, you know, should, you know, just reconcile, be at peace, you know, give half the land or two-thirds of the land back to the Arabs, and be at peace. And they all have their opinions, political opinions. Let's read it from God's point of view. God says that all those nations around are come to fight against Judah, they've been shedding innocent blood. And he doesn't say anything against Judah when they went back and fought for their own defense. And yes, many of them have committed things that should not against the Arabs. You know, that's what happens in war when all people are carnal. That's true too. But God didn't bother to mention any of that. He just mentioned only one side. The guilty side. The other ones that created all the problems, not Judah. Even though they see it the other way around. And verse 20, But Judah shall abide forever in Jerusalem from generation to generation, whether they like it or not. Judah, Jerusalem, and then Israel, the whole nation. For I will acquit them of the guilt of bloodshed, whom I have not acquitted. For the Eternal dwells in Zion. God never forsook his people, never rejected his people. People who don't read the whole story are mixed up, ignorant, blind, don't know without hearing the whole measure to open their mouth. And that's what got to life there. I'm going to blind them now for a while. You know, that was a, the message to Judah in Jerusalem. But I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to open their eyes and the Holy Seed, his people, Judah, and specifically was speaking there, and of course over Israel, they are the Holy Seed also. He said, I'm going to deliver them at the end time. He's coming back to them. I was not an afterthought. I was planned in detail from the beginning. God is coming back to his people, his wife, his church, the only one He's going to dwell in their midst, Judah and Israel. He's mentioning cities and towns and areas and rivers there in the land. There is no way to mistake that. So there is no reason for us to be blind and ignorant, and it's only those who listen to the, to the deceptions of the liars, or those who have bits and pieces of information and are mixed up. And they get confused, mixed up, and God says, come out of Babylon. Babylon is confusion. You see, when you read about the good tidings, when you read about the gospel, if you don't have the whole thing, and some people think that they've got the whole thing, they're preaching it, and they don't. If you don't know the whole story, and read it, and teach it, and preach it, and tell people who the true, true church of God is, from A to Z, you need to do a little bit of homework before you go on doing it which you call another great work, whatever it may be. It's for that reason, the one whole group in our midst, not knowing the difference between right and wrong, the holy and the profane, not knowing who they are, what they are, couldn't care less about who Israel is, and say we are a Gentile church, we go mainstream, and so easily went back to the vomit out of which they came. And God says to those among them who are remnant, who are faithful, come out of Babylon, come out of Babylon, Babylon is not your mother. 
Israel is your mother. Zion is your mother. Jerusalem is your mother. That's your mother. Not one that calls herself a mother. And only the blind don't hear. And so we have a choice. And anyway, the story goes on because that's not the end of it. And we should always look at it from God's point of view. Now we are in the book of Amos in chapter 3 and verses 1 to 2 where we read, Hear this word of the Eternal. Hear, hear this word that the Eternal has spoken against you, O children of Israel, all of you, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. And to this very day it's the same story. Even though he calls you others, but a few others are just few others. But as a nation, as a people, you only have known of all the families of the earth. Therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. That's a clear message. And yet even some of us don't get it as they should. Even though Jesus Christ speaks to them very plainly, the God of Israel. Let's go to chapter 9, 9, verse 9, where we read, For surely I will command and will sift the house of Israel among all the nations, as grain is sifted in a sieve, yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say the calamity shall not overtake us, nor confront us. Because so there are some people that say today, well, the children of Israel are all scattered, intermarried, and who knows where they are, and they're all gone, and they cannot be brought back as tribes. God says, don't take care of that. Verse 11, On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages, and I will raise up its ruins, and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and the Gentiles of the nations who are called by my name, because God is going to call the rest of the nations too. Uh, says the Lord who does this thing, and then verse 14, And I will bring back the captives of my people Israel, and I shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. And he's going to plant them in the vineyards, as you can read in the next verse, and then verse 15, And I will plant them in their land, and no longer shall they be pulled out from the land that I have given to them, says the Eternal, your God. And with that we shall conclude. This is again Mordecai Joseph, and greetings to all God's people until next time. The preceding message was taken from the World Wide Website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible Study. You have questions? The Bible has answers.